Hey everyone, this is Ron and Matt Must Listen. This is Season 2, Episode 4. Uh, today for our guest we have Corey from the band Obrea Sky. How are you doing today, man? I'm great. I'm just hanging out. It's really hot outside. It's a beautiful day. Happy to chat about some records. Yeah, most definitely. So what record did you pick for us to discuss today? I picked a record by a little band known as Majority Rule. And the record is Interviews with David Frost. I mean, this is a classic record, people, in my opinion probably in Corey's opinion <laughs> a lot of people's oh, yeah. opinions so oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this so to start how did you uh how did you find majority rule as a band at first so i, I guess a uh, kind of condensed version uh, version it's like how much time do we have because i can go on like a 20 minute tangent on this yeah we like um, those sorts of things <laughs> uh when i was in high school i was really into metal and then through some metal forms, I got turned on to Screamo, and it was more the the Portraits of Past, Funeral Diner esque Screamo. Yeah. So, in going through that, um, I discovered City of Caterpillar through some blogs, and of course, finding out City of Caterpillar, you also kind of find out about the other two of the Unholy Virginia Trio, Page Ninety Nine, and of course, Majority Rule. <laughs> So lots of lots of early internet sleuthing. This would have been probably 2004, 2005. So I mean, at this point, they were already pretty much done. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how I found them. Yeah. I, I I always I always say it's it's kind of like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I I I figured out about this band when I saw them play to like a basement to twenty people, and I'm like. I, I live in like northern Canada. Like, no, yeah. no. we, I, 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 the first time I saw like legitimate screamo bands that were not from Edmonton was like 2019. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you see? Oh, that was a uh, new friends fest. Nice. Okay. To which didn't majority role play that? They did. Um, actually, like, I got to play with them, so it was a bit of a, it was a bit of like star eyes. Oh for yeah, that one. I uh, I always I always say it's uh, the story I like to tell is I was at work and um, I'm a construction worker, so I was like hanging out on top of a building and I had my phone in my hard hat, and all of a sudden my phone started vibrating, and it was just going off and off and off, and I was like, okay, that's weird. So I like kind of ducked around a corner and like looked at my phone and it was like the band group chat and it was like 120 messages and I looked and it was like I had to scroll up through it all and, um they ended up posting the the lineup for New Friends Fest and everyone was like oh my god it's a new caterpillar and I saw majority role and I was instantly in like 
grade 11 sitting on the bus listening to <laughs> this record again and it was like <gasps> yeah that lineup was crazy i was quite bummed i could not make it to that fast oh no it was it was a it was an awesome time like like i said i i, I saw more screamo bands um in three days than i had seen in my entire life up to that point <laughs> So when you first were finding these guys, I know you said you found them sort of within the uh, the unholy trinity, as you called it. Was this uh, the first album you found found by them? Uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah. And then I, I looked into, um, I like honestly, I, I I listened to the page ninety nine split. Oh yeah, a bunch, and I didn't even listen to emergency numbers until like a year and a half after oh, I, really? Much I listened to interviews all great all great releases in, in my opinion but they're one of my favorite bands so i feel like you know i defend well i defend them past a point i even have like their early uh seven inches where they don't really sound like majority rule majority rule if that makes sense oh absolutely i, I remember going back and listening to some of those like demos at that time and being like just say bad <laughs> like is there, is there another majority rule and then oh no no it's, it's the exact same band yeah but yeah no um great great band great records <laughs> any of uh i know you said you were like high school riding the bus listening to this any of your other like high school friends into this kind of stuff or did you get any of them into this kind of stuff oh no I, absolutely not I, <laughs> I i tried many a times but it was like a lot of my a lot of my high school friends were into like bleeding through or as I lay dying at the time um so that was like for a lot of years that's what I thought screamo was I mean um until I got into like metal and then through metal getting into like screamo screamo mm -hmm. so no it was uh it wasn't until I was probably in my early 20s and I ended up moving to Vancouver that I kind of met people that were like into screamo and hanging out with them and becoming friends with them. Yeah, it's sort of similar because I also got into them in high school, but was lucky enough to get into them by like seeing them play. And I sort of had, I don't know, I don't want to say like a split group of friends, but you know, there were the friends I knew that would go to the shows. And then I had, you know, my old friends from like grade school or whatever, you know, and I, you know, basically hung out with them more. But when I would try to bring them over into this other world, I was slowly <laughs> becoming a part of, there wasn't a lot of crossover. No, I, I, I remember uh, like trying to take my, my friends who were really into like MF Doom and like Immortal Technique to like a punk show here. And it was like, they're like, eh. I'm not into it. Left. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'm here by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I remember going, um, geez, I, it was, it was one of the first or second times seeing Majority Rule. And I went with uh, my high school buddy, Nate. And, you know, he was a music major. He played the bass. He was all about, you know, Jaco Pistorius and Victor Wooten and slapping and all this, like, technique. And I remember, like, <laughs> I feel like kind of embarrassed because majority rule for me was like fucking Van Halen or something. Like I would see them and I wouldn't just personally, I wouldn't dare go up 
and like talk to them because they're like my saviors or something and i remember this my friend nate going up to kevin and being like hey man nice uh what, what yeah nice jazz bass and he's like oh yeah he's like could i play that for a second <laughs> and you know they're like you know southern i guess technically he's like uh yeah sure and he picks it up and he starts like fucking trying to do all this slap bass shit on it and he's like what is this tuned in um and i believe it was tuned in drop c so if anyone wants to learn those uh those madrigal songs drop c oh it's actually hilarious because I, I again like even because being so isolated where i was i still um, had a bit of like star eye celebrity status towards a lot of those people. So like, yeah, same thing, like seeing um, majority rule, even, even now or then when I was, I was 32 then and being like, Oh my God, like, this is like meeting James Hetfield. <laughs> um, so like the, just the concept of like that, your friend doing that, it's just so like, Oh my God, no. Dude. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was like standing behind almost like a gas, like, oh, I can't believe you would do this. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the show, just not making eye contact with him. Like, uh, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. They saw me standing with you though. So they know that I know you. <laughs> I, I, I just met this guy today. We like, we, we just, you know, it was, I, I don't, I don't go to high school with him. I don't, I'm not his friend. Like, <laughs> The first time I saw them, it was, I don't know who booked the show, but back in, I guess, the early aughts, people call it. I just say early 2000s because I'm non-cultured. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, we used to, at least locally here in Syracuse, we'd have a lot of these like mixed bill shows, you know, where you'd have the pop punk band, the real punk band, the hardcore band the metal bit you know they'd all just be on a bill and first time i ever saw majority rule was a friend of mine from summer school his band was kind of like you know a, a known at least locally you know band this uh this punk band just passed they were playing a show so like oh we'll go and actually my my pre-mentioned friend nate knew them he worked with a couple of the members at a grocery store and uh majority rule fucking opened to the show which to this day i fucking don't get it i think maybe one other local you know smaller band played first but then majority rule played after them and i just remember standing there with the headlining band the local band and then being like, dude, this band should be headlining. What the fuck? But, I, you know, I don't think what they... What year would have this been? Interviews wasn't out. They had... I still have it somewhere. They had a CDR called January. That's the first three songs from Interviews. I don't oh, think dread. they're like... I don't think they're the final versions. Like, I think there's there's something different in either Gray or some something is off in one of maybe the end of at 3 a.m but it's they're like slightly different mixes of them i don't know but you know matt michael or whatever could go actually they're completely different <laughs> recordings you fool but i think that was all they had at that show it's just this like cdr i just remember being blown away because um i don't know as i've sort of talked about past episodes on this 
coming from Syracuse, New York, Earth Crisis is kind of like the baseline for hardcore. And I'm not like putting that down, but you don't always get hardcore bands that are maybe more adventurous or trying some of these like subgenres. So to see that live, and it was a three piece, and they were like brutally heavy and loud. Um, and this is me like still like <laughs> getting into into the scene, but I'm not like fully all in yet. So I'm like still listening to some like fucking new metal and stuff like that. So to hear that was like, oh yeah, this is this is what is up. <laughs> well, that's that's what really attracted me to Majority Rule um, at the time because, like I said, I. I like I was really into scream. I was getting really into screamo. Um, I loved like funeral diner. I have a funeral diner tattoo. Like I love that band. Um, but that's awesome. Like in high school, I was super into like black metal and like that was the first like screamo band I actually heard. That was like, oh, this is like heavy. Like this isn't like you know screamo where it's kind of slow and like pretty sounding and post-rocky i'm like no this is like this sounds like a metal band yeah exactly and like honestly i never but i just wasn't really i'll say this i wasn't really familiar with like the genre historically right so i always was just like oh majority rules like a hardcore band because <laughs> once again i didn't know like subgenres and stuff i didn't know they were doing these like different things to the point where my high school hardcore band <laughs> plunge beyond <laughs> we played like two shows like i felt really bad for our drummer because it was just you know just a bunch of friends who were all and we were all in the same grade and three of us went to shows and two of us didn't and you know the drummer's favorite band was nirvana which i'm not going to rip on them for, for that but he just didn't know like he he would ask me like well how do I play like how do I play like hardcore drums and I'd be like well, listen to this and I'd play them like <laughs> I'd play them interviews but that's like <laughs> what the other guys are writing were like I don't want to say your typical hardcore <laughs> but you know the boom, ba -dup, ba -dup, boom, ba -dup. <laughs> and there was that it was definitely hard to write while I'm going like here listen to majority rule or Dillinger Escape. I think I had heard Dillinger Escape plan by that time. And I was like, you're, here, you're check drummer. this out. Poor drummer. He's, he's like, oh yeah, no, I like Nirvana. You're okay. Play drums like Dillinger Escape. Plan. You can def. You can do it. <laughs> we're we're gonna learn time signatures today, my friend. Oh boy. Yeah, this I, is I funny because this this reminds me of being like my first high school band where I was really getting into like metal, and then like the band the other members of the band wanting to play like metallica and tool and me being like eh, like i guess like you're the only people i know that play music so I'm, I'm here for this i guess yeah right i feel like that's like how it always pans out like when i first started playing guitar it was like a lot it was like a lot of nirvana and like green day just because hey power chords man like <laughs> this is how i think blink 182 as well so listeners, you can take away my punk card if you want, but <laughs> yeah. And then just find, Oh, you like Nirvana. Okay. I learned all their crap. Cause I'm still learning how to play guitar. Yeah. Let's get together and play music. Sure. I've known you guys since grade school. Why not? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's actually funny bringing it back to majority role. Cause um, 
it's like I didn't realize how much my like guitar playing and like my own songwriting is just influenced by majority role like I, I I have to like I have to like admit and say that like when I I, I loved interviews with David Frost when I was in a high school and like growing up and getting into my 20s and then like moving to Vancouver and like hanging out with the people I hung out with in Vancouver it was literally like every day my roommate at the time would come home and be like oh have you listened to this band yet oh have you listened to this band yet oh here's a here's a band like check out this record so it's like you just get overwhelmed and especially like the last few years there's just so much new music coming out yeah that it's like like you don't have time to listen to it all um especially like now that I'm like an adult quotation marks <laughs> and it's like I don't have like I can't spend like five hours sitting on a couch with headphones on and like just like going through albums anymore so it's like interviews with David Frost like kind of fell off my my like rotation for like a lot of years and then when I saw that new Friends Fest poster and I saw Majority Roll on it and I got instantly transported back to like grade 11 it was like I, I started listening to the album again and it's like all these like kind of like little nuances about like songwriting and stuff I'm just like oh that's where that comes from <laughs> it's it's like the end of um the, the end of a movie where it's like the twist is revealed and you like it snaps back to all the, the oh like everything movie. that happened <laughs> yeah and it's like oh okay yeah no that makes sense like it's it's actually hilarious i remember uh the new obrea sky record was gonna have a a part where i i play um a floor tom i was like, gonna I say playing guitar floor tom. Play, <laughs> yeah i play a floor tom and then I was like in the process of like, okay, how's this going to go? I'm like writing this and everything. And then I saw majority roll and I was like, oh, 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 okay. I can't do that now. (laughs) You could have done it. Oh, I I might still do it. I might just like, I'm like, if if people call me out for the floor town now, I'm like, I don't care. I'm like in my thirties. I don't care if I rip off bands now. Yeah, there you go. Plus, there's all these indie bands that do that kind of stuff anyway. So, it, you know, it doesn't have to be majority rule. Well, that was what my friend said. He, he was like, when I told him that, he was instantly like, oh, like mono. And I was like, yes, like mono. That's the one. <laughs> I was going more for like a neurosis type of thing, but okay. <laughs> it's always nice to have guests on. I mean, and this isn't obviously putting down guests where this isn't a thing but you know if you have someone who's played in a lot of heavy bands coming on and bringing you know like a 70s you know funk album or something like that it's kind of hard to go how did this influence your style (laughs) did the blast beats that you played (laughs) are they based off these funk beats so i always like when we have a guest on where you know you can think of your band and the music your band puts out and you yourself even go, you know what? The music on this album actually influenced like how I write. Oh, uh, that's exactly it. There, there was a, like I when I was debating what album to to talk about here. There was a couple that went through, and then it was just kind of like, but those didn't influence my songwriting at all. So. <laughs> Let, let's be honest here. <laughs> I've got to go with I got to go with the majority role. Yo, I'm gonna sidebar real quick because Tom Schlatter said we should do this and before i forget 
do you remember what some of those other albums were that were almost picked? So it was, I, I, I narrowed it down to three. It was this, the One-Eyed God self-titled, or... That's a great record. Yeah. Or uh, Godspeed's F hashtag oh, okay. uh, infinity. I, yeah. I always mess it up. I think that's what it is. That, yeah, that, that Godspeed album is like probably my favorite album of all time, but it's hard to say that it influenced my yeah. songwriting in my punk band. Yeah, right. Unless you guys put one of those lockout grooves when you get your new records pressed. <laughs> Doesn't that end in like a lockout groove? Oh, especially people who aren't like well-versed in records at all and don't get right. that it's a locked groove. So they're just like standing there like, huh, it looks like it's about to end, but it hasn't ended yet. <laughs> I like that. I like the idea of that. The concept is awesome. What would you end it in? Do you know? Do you know what you would uh, end it in? Would it be musical or would you have something, you know, uh, or... akin to Bush as a dickhead repeating? <laughs> Um, it, it would probably be noise. It, it, it would be the most fitting for this band. And I, I feel it would be the absolute most off-putting thing to have on a loop at the end of a record. <laughs> I'm a fan of the idea. I really am. Yeah, I'm going to do it just for you. All right. I was going to say, hopefully we're not uh, giving it away. <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll do it on this, the end of side A. Oh, that now there you go. That's, That's what you funnier. don't see. Yeah. That's what you don't see. Now, so Corey, I know you mentioned you found them within that sort of like trinity of, you know, I'd say rad bands. Did you find any bands because of them? Or was it you kind of found everything all within that one sort of like period of time when you were searching stuff out? Um, yeah, I, I would say it was more just like. I was like ripping through like blog spots and like media fire downloads and being like, I was just like downloading everything and like, Oh, this band's cool. This band's cool. This band's also cool. This band's cool. It, it was just the, it was the, the blog spot. I, the particular blog spot I was on had those three bands like together as a big thing. It was like a big, long um, review, I guess, of just those three bands and what they've done for music in like screamo and i was like well i gotta listen to these yeah one point having shared members at least majority rule did towards the end i think i saw them once as a four piece were they were they a four piece when you guys played with them Corey? or did, were they just a three no no they were they were a three piece okay um i didn't know they were ever a four piece but yeah i can't remember who joined uh one of the guys from page 99 though joined on second guitar and I think there's only like, what's the song? Not in my name. I think they re-recorded it as a four piece for, man, I'm going to get blasted if I'm not on my money on this, but I think they re-recorded it as a four piece for like a benefit album or something. That is absolutely wild. And I will probably be blasted along with you because I've never heard this and I want to hear this. <laughs> Yeah, it was who, you know what, it was whoever, um, I think, hopefully I'm not wrong on this, it's whoever was also, after they broke up, when they started Haram or Harem or however you pronounce it, it's whoever from page 99 is in that band. I'm pretty sure was the one that joined them towards the end of Majority Rule. Okay, be because there's like, 
nine members of majority or uh page, page 99 yeah i'm not even gonna try and guess because it's like i know it's not like a three piece where you have a one in three chance of guessing the right member it's like uh it's like rolling a tense out of dice here yeah and that's why i'm also like <laughs> i think it's the same person but it could very well not be the same it could be you know eight other people <laughs> one of the taylor brothers maybe i don't know yeah page 99 is another one um going back to the like never having really seen screamo bands um i had tickets to go see page 99 at best friends day in 2011 and it was like the day before i was supposed to fly out some like work stuff popped up and i had to like cancel at the last minute and it killed me it's brutal I, I hate when you have your heart set on, especially when it's something like that, you know, where it's a band that doesn't play out all that frequently. Yeah, that, that's one of the ones where I'm like, okay, I've got to see this band again before they before they break up another time. Yeah. checked out terminal bliss at all Corey? i have not i Ooh. i knew you guys were gonna ask me that and i was like i'm, I'm gonna Come embarrass on. myself by saying i haven't <laughs> it's good we'll just we'll just let how we'll just let how come at you for it that's all <laughs> <laughs> yeah because that's it's, one of his faves right of this year or am i wrong yeah definitely was on his list yep it was it's funny because um i haven't had my own laptop for a year um because i broke it last year and it just started working again like three days ago and it was instantly like i was going through and because i haven't been able to really listen to music except for like you know what's on spotify on my phone and but then i was going through and i was looking at all the screamo bands and everything that i had that like aren't on spotify and i was like okay now i have to get back into checking out new music again and so terminal bliss is one that as soon as this podcast is over now i'm obliged <laughs> to go listen to them yeah, I, I, th- like... I mean, I think I think you'll dig it. <laughs> I yeah. Knowing knowing what it. you play in, the bands you play in, I think you'll be into it. I've I've heard nothing but great things, and knowing the like the caliber of the people that are in that band, I'm like I, I think this is a band I'm gonna like. I think it's like because it's two of the guys from Page Ninety Nine and the drummer of Mammoth Grinder. I think is it that uh, it's something of that nature. I I know that. Uh, I think it's Mike and Chris from page 99. And then I'm not sure who else is in it, but I, I pre-ordered the record as soon as I saw that it was online and available. <laughs> so I, I jumped on that quickly, particularly when I saw that they said that it was like, you know, like throwback era to like being inspired by bands like Born Against. So oh, yeah. I oh, was yeah. I was amped on that right away. <laughs> Oh yeah, so I, I absolutely have to go check this out now. <laughs> its runtime's pretty short, so you can like blow through it pretty quick. Which 
<laughs> that that actually is my only issue with it it's just when albums are really good and they're really hitting and then they end and i'm like oh I, I want more though that's the only thing i could say negative about it really just personally personally i like i prefer that feeling to a record that i really enjoy it just goes on too long yeah like it overstays its welcome and you're like okay you had Absolutely. me yeah, we've discussed my musical ADD on <laughs> numerous episodes. So, yeah, definitely preferential to leaving on that, like, wanting more note than the, oh, fuck, is this ever going to end note. <laughs> that, 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 that is one thing, like, going back to being, like, not having a lot of time to listen to music now is, like, I, I, I never gathered the, the just joy of being able to, like, blow through an album in 18 minutes. I'm just like, yes, thank you. Thanks for yeah. not, like okay i gotta listen to this album i i guess it's like i've set aside 80 minutes to pay attention to it yeah it's funny like for the podcast especially because you know while we have most of our guests are kind of rooted in in hardcore um most of the picks are not yeah so it's really funny to like when you get somebody sends you a pick and you're like okay i've never listened to this ever and then you look at it and you go, okay, it's like 85 minutes long. And then you go, all right. And you're 10 minutes in and you go, holy shit, I got 75 more minutes of this to listen to. <laughs> it's a double LP. It, it's just it's like, happened. it's incredibly painful at times. <laughs> we lucked out with the double LP. It was the one Vinny chose when he, cho- he chose Genesis. Yes, that's true. Because we're, that was we actually, both yeah, that was did cool. not hate it. <laughs> yeah. Which is good. I actually enjoyed it, not expecting to enjoy it. I think I, I think because yeah. I honestly didn't have expectations going into what I thought would be the case. I think that's the other bad tendency that I try to avoid is is you know having an expectation, but um, most of the time those expectations are usually dead on. <laughs> as soon as I put it, put it on and I go, oh shit, I had a feeling this wasn't going to. Tell go you well. what, the one that we ended up not talking about but both you and I still listen yes. to a bunch of times to get familiar yes. with it. That was the biggest slap to the face. That was a tough one, man. Uh, that was a tough one. That was, that was a tough listen for sure. <laughs> I just, I, I imagine you both seeing that. Cause I assume this is somebody who canceled on you. So no, 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 no. They changed they changed the, the album night before the night before, which, by the way, the reasoning was was valid. I mean, yeah. like w- the reason was was valid, yeah. to, be, to be fair. Um, and luckily, they changed it to something that I already had listened to multiple times. Matt had not heard it, but, but I was it was something that them. I had listened to a ton. So, yeah, so it was it was so much easier for me to actually talk about that one. <laughs> So I was to- when we were they changed, excited. I actually was kind of feeling like, oh, thank fucking God, man. I think cause... we both were. We both like, yeah. And also, I'll give us major props because we both toned down that vibe a lot in the episode. Like, I really wanted to be like, I am so fucking glad you changed it because I yeah. was not <laughs> <laughs> was not feeling the other one. I, 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 that just sounds like the most painful thing is having to talk about an album you're not into for like two hours i'm like mm. well you know what it's it, what i what i like about it in all honesty and and one of the reasons that it was kind of the concept of everything was 
was that I, I like the idea of getting to know the person who's behind all of it, you know, like the music that they're into and maybe how that did inspire them. Um, so it's not like I have to love it. There are elements I can find to like about things, even if I don't love yeah. the record per se. But I think the toughest part is when it's incredibly long. Like yeah. I could deal with like a 25 minute record that doesn't pique my interest a lot better than like an hour plus record where I'm just trying so hard to stay invested the whole time but really really struggling to stay invested or if it's just something that is completely kind of out of left field from what you're expecting and not in a genre that you you know particularly listen to on a regular basis uh you know it's difficult in that respect but honestly I, I do enjoy getting exposed to the new stuff like the genesis record that Vinny brought i didn't ever listen to that to be honest but listening to it, I've listened to it since we've <laughs> since we really? recorded the episode. I actually, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I it's thought it was one a really solid record. So to be honest, I mean, that's one that I actually hadn't heard that really, really hit with me. So and that that's always the best too when it's like those like the classic albums that you don't really like know about, and somebody brings it up to you, and you like go back again and again. You're like, this is actually a great record. This is a banger record. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's also that, and maybe I don't know if you're like this, Corey, but speaking from my experience, I know that I can be, I don't want to say close-minded about it, but like, I know that there are certain things that if I decide I'm going to give it a listen, I make myself listen to it three times before I dismiss it. But if I don't give it an initial listen, <laughs> it's because I already had like a bias toward it ahead of time where I'm like, mm, no, I'm not going to, this doesn't seem like it would jive with anything I would be interested to listen to. So I stay away from it. I don't know if you if you have that or if you're more adventurous and you're like, oh no, I'll listen to anything. Um, I, I'm pretty I'm I'm adventurous in the sense that I have like a pretty being like now anyway, I have a pretty like wide range of music I like. There are a couple of genres um because it's like all my parents listen to when I was a kid. It's like I just I can't oh, okay. like somebody can come and be like, oh listen to this record. It's like it's a really good new record in this like genre. And I'm like, I, I can't, I can't like, I just like, it will just transport me back. And I'm like, no, I, I have so yeah. many bad memories of listening to these genres and music being stuck in a car. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh no. I, I feel that. I feel that. I mean, like my, my family were not very big music people. So it was really weird that I got really into music. My stepdad was was big into music, but he was he was in the metal. So like by the time he came into my life, I was a teenager basically, and so he was like, "Oh, this is he was cool." It was just he was the only one, you know. My stepdad was the only one who was into music. His tape was or his car was just full of old cassette tapes, like they were just all over his car. So I'm like I would go hang out at my mom's house. He would actually be, you know driving around listening to you know I mean like he was into like classic rock stuff but at the same time he was really into like Slayer and Pantera and Metallica and all that kind of shit so he was like on the edge compared to what I was used to so that's kind of what introduced me to like extreme music in the in the first place if you will uh yeah my 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 dad was the same way like he really liked uh a classic rock um actually like Trooper is his favorite band and I had a I had a really nice bonding experience with him like two years ago where he took me to a Trooper concert 
and I was like, this is nice. This is, I'm, I'm getting wasted with my dad in a trooper concert. This is very, very fond memory. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, because I'm from the East Coast. Growing up, my parents listened to a lot of, uh, I guess, like Atlantic folk music. Ooh. And um, it, it sounds nice, but it's like, if I never hear a fiddle again, it will be too soon. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I love, like, I love hearing, like, violin and, like, respire and Godspeed. Oh, yeah. Fiddles? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. It's like, how is this the same instrument? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like, you, you play it slow and it sounds great. You play it fast and it sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's weird too because <laughs> i feel like that's like a consistent thing in folk music like across the world so you go down south in the states and you got fiddle you go over to like friggin ireland some of the songs over there you got fiddle. <laughs> like i want to know how that became a thing uh, and, and that's just it it's like I'll, I'll i'll like i'll listen to a folk album and like the first song is just like you know, guitar, and I'm like, this is really nice, this is really great, and then the second song, they'll butt out of fiddle, I'm like, nope, I'm out, <laughs> I'm, I'm good. You had me, I'm gone. There's a, there's a very popular festival in Edmonton called Folk Fest, and it's an outdoor fest in the River Valley, and you can hear their music for, like, miles away, like, you can be standing, like, you know, 40 blocks away, and you can hear the, the music, just because it goes through the River Valley, and it's, it's great. But sometimes there'll be, you can just hear that like band with just the fiddle and it's just, uh, it just cuts through everything. Maybe that's the requirement to p play the fest though. Fiddle requirement. There's a fiddle requirement. <laughs> if the band doesn't have a fiddle player, they can't play the fest. At least 30 minutes of your set must be fiddle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, in, yeah. it's in the contract you sign. <laughs> no, no. I see you have a banjo player. What I'm talking about is a fiddle player. Yeah, what do you think? That, this isn't bluegrass, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's folk, goddammit. I'm getting a fiddle player. <laughs> I love how we're talking about, like, one of the heaviest screamo bands, and we now we are talking about fiddles and folk. This is, you know, that's, that's, this that's every episode, roll. Corey. <laughs> this is, this <laughs> this is where it's been. This one's been okay, man. <laughs> Man, comparatively speaking yeah. yeah like when i listen to some of the other ones i'm just like wow actually like the last one i uploaded i'm like man we're just talking about nickelodeon cartoons for <laughs> a really long time in this episode i mean you do a better job of keeping things on track i just don't fucking wow. care <laughs> well to bring it back on track <laughs> <laughs> oh geez all right so this album, obviously a big influence on you from a young age. Obviously influenced how you write music, which is really cool. Um, did you meet them? I know you said you were kind of starstruck. Did you meet them when you guys played with them? I, I actually didn't. I met um, Maya, or Maya, um, and we chatted a, a bunch. Um, cause I'm oh, from big, No Man? Like, yeah, no man. I'm, I'm a big No Man fan as well. That's another thing is talking about like bands doing reunions and stuff and especially bands doing reunions and writing new albums. I, I'm like, I'm not into it. I love, I love the concept of going and seeing a band and then playing like old stuff. But whenever it's like, oh, this band is getting back together after 20 years of writing a new album, I'm just like, why don't I make a new band? 
just why not make a new band? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock on Orchid at all, but my favorite part about Orchid is like all the members pretty much got back together and made a new record as Ritual Mess. And I'm like, that's great. This is like the continuation of Orchid that is like perfect. And that's kind of how I feel about like majority role is like I'm 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 really stoked they still like play shows and everything, but it's like I, I love that they just have a new band that is like a whole new project. But bringing it right back is like no, I, I didn't actually get to meet any of them. Um and I, I it's very funny because I feel like Matt from Majority Role and I are very much the same and are very standoffish kind of. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's just it's the vibe I got. It's just kind of like, hey, I'm here to play the show. Just hanging out. <laughs> that's why we had you on. We were like, we've heard he's extremely standoffish. <laughs> Let's see. Let's get somebody <laughs> who is gonna be uninterested to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You like you asked me to be in a podcast, so I was like, oh, fuck, really? Yeah. Like, get, uh, seriously like I've already listened to it it's terrible and then I gotta go do it no thanks I, I have to I have to talk for like two hours I'm just, I can't you've been trying to get better about the the, the longer running talk time uh, so. it, yes 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 you've been that's maturing. been a problem well I don't know about that but <laughs> I think we've been like committing less time <laughs> <laughs> well i'll say this Corey. i i probably met him back in the day and i think i told them you're like my van halen which for a bunch of punk dudes i think they're like what the fuck is this kid on about hang on, you know? hang on hang on hang on hang on <laughs> what era of van halen are we talking david lee roth van halen yes. or are we talking sam well Hayes? we're talking we're talking david lee roth but initial run not when he joined up later right 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 do anything. right <laughs> Right, oh, gotcha. the, the best fan. You might as yeah. well jump. Yeah, well, yeah. We're talking even pre that. Let's get it real. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they they kind of looked at me funny. I think when I did that. But I also like when they did the reunion shows. That I think it was that tour. They page ninety nine for whatever didn't play the the date I saw them, but they were kind of doing that tour. I also was like, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you're such an important bit. Like, it's still in me that <laughs> they're like that. I, been... I hope you said it like that, though. I, I <laughs> Dude, I probably honestly did. It, it, you guys, even if you didn't, important. just looking back on it, that's how you said, that's how it sounded to you. I know, because I've done the same thing. Yeah, like... And I'm like, it's, it's the stuff that like, oh, you're just about to fall asleep. And it's like, hey, remember this time you talked to a band you really like 10 years ago? <laughs> And you're like, oh no. Well, I wanted to like thank them. It's like really fucking stupid, but they played a show in Syracuse on my birthday. And at the time I didn't drive. I was still like a younger person. I didn't drive and I couldn't get a ride to it. But leading up to it, I thought I was gonna have a ride. And I had I had emailed them or something. Because, you know, Facebook and all that stuff didn't exist. I'd emailed them being like, hey, you're playing the show. I actually didn't know they were playing Syracuse. They had a show like the day before, like the 25th or whatever, I think in Rochester, New York. And I emailed them being like, hey, my birthday is the 26th. I'm from Syracuse. 
you guys are like my favorite band. I'm thinking about making the drive. I was wondering, like, my favorite song that you guys have is I Need No More, which listeners, if you get into it, if you don't know it, you know, would you maybe like play that? <laughs> Just so stupid. But they like, they they emailed me back and they were like, actually, we're playing Syracuse on your birthday. And we'll like definitely add that to our set list. We haven't played it in a while, but we'll we'll definitely. And I was like, oh my God. But then I didn't make it to the gig. <laughs> no. Then, yeah, I couldn't get a ride. But then my sister who got a ride was like, oh yeah, they, you know, because we're we're teens, so we're like kind of button heads a lot. She's like, oh yeah, they played your favorite fucking song too, Matt. <laughs> like, I'm like, God, <laughs> god damn it. Oh god, that's horrible. But oh, for me, it solidified like what fucking cool guys they were. Cause in the scheme of things, who was I? I was just I was just someone who loved them you know, reaching out to them who like, basically like, can you play a song off a uh, somewhat obscure seven inch that you put out? <laughs> oh, you can. Cool. But yeah, I thank them for that fucking, I don't know, over 10 years later, like, Hey, I just want to let you guys know you did this. And I've always thought you were great people ever since then, even though I already liked your band and you know, it's obviously something they don't remember doing. And they're like, Oh, cool. <laughs> Uh, now, now I'm bummed because I probably could have asked them to play my favorite song and they wouldn't when I saw them. <laughs> well, let's get into it. What's your favorite song? Probably Progress of Elimination. Oh, so good. Um, it's, it's just like, especially coming after XOXO, it's just like, it hits like a truck. Oh, yeah. Like, that whole album is pretty, it's fast paced, but it's like still pretty like, you know, groovy and, you know, mid-tempo yeah and then that song is just like blisteringly fast and it it almost feels like one of those um like those early like math core bands yeah dead guy or like tap dance extravaganza like just like wild like there was like oh this is like a heavy metal core band on this track and i mean that as a compliment I remember learning the timing on the uh, the breakdowny part. <laughs> I practiced it so much just trying to figure it because I'm not like I play music, but I'm not like I don't know. I'm not musical or like I don't know how to read anything or don't know theory. So it probably takes yeah, me longer same, than same. some. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, that was like such an achievement when I just when i figured out oh this is how this is played uh, yeah like i i've it's writing songs now um especially writing songs for brisk guy it's so hard for me not to do that like exact same like um riff pattern of just like open note open note dissident <laughs> note open note like it's just like oh god majority rules are ruined this for me <laughs> I will say this, as much as I, I wasn't really talking shit on my friend Nate earlier, <laughs> but as much as I was like, kind of like, oh my God, you're fucking slap basin over there, <laughs> Victor Wooten. I found out they played in drop C. So then I was able to go home and drop C my guitars and actually like learn how to play the songs off the album. So, you know, there was a benefit to being slightly embarrassed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh, that's that's awesome like I, I i remember trying just to like find tabs for their their songs the same thing i'm like i 
I can't listen to music and like figure out how to play riffs. It's like, like maybe like easy power chord riffs, but stuff like this, I'm like, I could never learn this by ear. So trying to find tabs and stuff, I'm like, I don't even know what tuning this is in. Yeah. And like watching them play, they're like so energetic too. It's like, I can't see what the hands are doing. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening. Oh yeah. Like I was, I was trying to watch Matt play guitar when I saw them. And it was just like, okay, his hands are up and down and up and okay, no, I I can't, I can't. <laughs> I I did figure out how to play the uh, the riff in the middle of the sin is gray watching him. So there was. Oh, that. nice. Oh, only because he holds his hand in the same spot. For like <laughs> hey, that's I'm down with that. I don't know how to play that. started playing drums i'll say this i just wanted to play the uh, the beginning at 3 a.m <laughs> and then i did that and i was like i don't need to get any better <laughs> I, I i can play uh one part of a song of a band i really like and that is the peak <laughs> that's my goal i it's uh you know baby steps i'm baby stepping it yeah my, my partner is uh is learning drums and they've learned uh parts of republic of dream songs lately and i've been like there you go you peaked <laughs> i saw their videos on instagram <laughs> drums are uh drums are the instrument i am worst on and therefore the one i want to play the most <laughs> oh yeah like i i have absolutely no sense of rhythm so if i, if I get behind a drum kit it's the very stilted like don't don't Actually, had I, I went to my first show last night since, uh, like I think November of 2019. I had oh, seen a Ach- Achilles and uh, Reveries play, and I went to uh, my friend Lee plays in this band, DB Cooper. He also plays in a band, Goner, and there was this band, uh, Kalki, who played, who were also awesome. And it was, you know, it was out in a garage. And it was still open, so I felt, like, kind of safe. You know, I wasn't, like, jam-packed into a venue. You know what I mean? Um, But we were talking about just music, and I went with my friend Tim, who's his roommate. And for sort of a short stint, you know, Tim, myself, and our friend Caleb were doing this band where we were trying to do, like... (laughs) like poor man's tortoise or something like that we're like the whole <laughs> the whole idea of the band is each of us can play all these instruments <laughs> some to better degrees 
why don't we just try to write a song with each version of this getup that we can have <laughs> and um the only goal was just to write like the six the six songs and then you know maybe do something with them didn't end up happening but i was i was telling this tim guy i was like you know caleb caleb's girlfriend i feel like she was always putting me down <laughs> and he was like what do you mean and i'd be like anytime we'd be getting together <laughs> And she'd be like, who's drumming today? And as long as it wasn't me, she would be like, oh, thank God. And I was like, man, am I that bad on drums? And my friend Lee, though, he totally like put it in a completely different perspective that I had, I guess maybe my brain went a little bit too negative on it, right? Um, he was like, well, do you play louder than the other two? I was like, oh, yeah yeah I, I think i hit harder than them and he's like yeah that's probably what that's in reference to and i was like oh shit <laughs> i went so negative on that one that's actually funny because um when we started over a sky um that was the first time i'd ever played guitar in a band and it was it was literally like the first time i've played a guitar is the first over a sky jam um Darrell just was like hey come over to my house i'll play drums play guitar We'll, we'll figure something out um and he had a roommate at the time and uh she was always home when we jammed but he was also playing in a new band with like members of like Tonos Karan and Maria and Rayleigh and they all had like a really like nice pretty sounding band they were playing in and everything and I remember like coming over once and Heron was like we were talking about that other band and she was like, yeah, that's like my favorite band that jams here. <laughs> I was like, oh, I see what you're oh. getting at here. <laughs> I to see be fair, she had to listen to me struggle to learn to play guitar at volume. So. <laughs> Did majority rule influence you in any way in wanting to start to play guitar? Or was that just like everything you listened to? Uh, I'd say that was kind of everything. Um, I remember when we started playing uh, in Over a Sky, it was like, oh, what, what do you want this band to sound like? And it was like, oh, kind of like Mihai Edrich. And it was like, okay, no, that's, that's yes. not going to happen because I can't play guitar that well. <laughs> Band's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, ho I hope one day I can play guitar that well. <laughs> and I hope um, someone reissues that one album that hasn't been reissued because I can't pay like 56 fucking euro for <laughs> the one I don't have. Oh, tell me about it oh it's brutal not, not uh god i'm not even gonna try and pronounce the names because yeah me neither French. i'm like is but, it the red is it the red album with like the <laughs> the leaves on it or the one that i don't have is the i think it's black with the gold hand on it. that's the one that i keep trying to see for a reasonable price and i'm just like this uh yeah. just isn't ever happening so echo canyon hey i know you're not listening but if you do i you know a lot of people might appreciate a repressure of that. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. I would appreciate it just as much as that Dytro repress that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, I which I bought. Oh, I... Yeah. <laughs> Amy bought me a uh, copy for Christmas and I was just like, yes, oh, yeah, I think I, think I saw that they posted that. I, I shouldn't have bought it. I already owned... <laughs> I own too many copies of that album, but... <laughs> Every time a new one comes out, there's something. I'm like, oh, 
Wait, same with the the Y album. I own a, a bunch of those. I I actually own Y. I have a tape copy of Y. Ooh. That was released by like um like a South Asian tape label like back in 2010. Interesting. Yeah, it was, it was wild. I was like looking at it recently and I was like, I can't believe I found this. Like this is wild. Um they released a bunch of like just like obscure. I guess it was obscure at the time like Screamo records on tape. And they just like ship them out to a bunch of distros, and I was like, weird. But yeah, that's that's kind of like um, because no one, one of the reasons I was gonna talk about uh, the one-eyed god self-titled, and decided not to was because, um, no funeral is doing a tape pressing of it, and I was sitting there like, oh, should I buy this? And I was like, I have it on LP. I should let like mm-hmm. l- let somebody else like get in on this. Yeah, yeah, I feel that a lot of the. Well, I, I saw they put that up too. A lot of those are very enticing. But I, and I've talked about that in past episodes where I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to let someone else have it. Yeah. Let, let somebody who's never heard this record listen to it for the first time and be like, there you go. Canadian Screamo. <laughs> there's, a, there's quite a few good Canadian bands, so that from, you know, from the early 90s mid 90s that uh i would love to see a bunch of reissues for uh, a big one for me would be like a uh, union of uranus oh, yeah, yeah me too that was who i was thinking of ironically <laughs> I, I i spent years and years looking for that um that double seven inch um i ended up finding it in a record store in austin in like 2015 but it's just like just they're so hard to find like yeah it's such a great band uh, um if, if anybody listening to this hasn't listened to union of uranus yet go listen to union of uranus yeah i mean they they were a massive influence on so many bands that came after i feel like they get name checked like decently though like if you find a good article where like the person who's i mean i'm not putting down people but you know sometimes you'll find it it's the same thing but if I've I've seen them on good articles, I mean I think that's where I had heard them for the first time with some article where they were name checked, and I was like I gotta check these guys out. I want to be a historical person. I want to know the history. Matt, you should write a book then. <laughs> the history, the history of uh, you know I don't know what we're calling it screamo these days or I wasn't there or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, are, are I we wasn't back to there. Hardcore? I, what's that are, are we back to calling it a mode of hardcore again oh i think we should i think we should just you know go back and you know change the whole thing i don't know well you know what did you guys see that jeff the thing that happened on jeopardy and i don't know if jeopardy shows in canada but did you see the thing that happened on jeopardy run where they had the thing about rights of spring on there <laughs> no they no, they didn't. said gee gee picciato and his band rights of spring this was like the clue or whatever were quintessential in forming this genre of music and i guess the answer was emo but i was like emo core right like it wasn't emo (laughs) then like would i be the guy to pop up and go um no it is emo core like you're wrong Um, actually (laughs) i hate to be an um actually um actually but yeah (laughs) i was was gonna say any any old heads listening to this podcast right now are just like it's punk just call it punk yeah exactly yeah no 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 i'm i'm one of those unfortunately to be fair i'm more into like it's punk or hardcore to me like 
I can decipher between those two a little bit, but like everything else starts to get real muddy for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, unless it's obviously specific, like very specific. Like, I mean, when you guys bring the noise elements into Obreus Guy, that's obvious that it's like a noise element to the music. I mean, but to me, again, I mean, what you guys do is hardcore to me. I, I love, I love everything you guys have put out. Would absolutely 100% be on board to help you guys put out something on vinyl in the future if you're interested. You know, oh. glad to to help out with that at any points. Oh well, I'll absolutely be in touch then. Thank you. But but yeah. yeah, it's 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 like especially like being here and like Edmonton had like a really good screamo scene ten years ago, but that's kind of like all fallen off the radar. So it's like if it, it's almost like when you were talking about that first majority role show you went to, Matt. It's like if if you want to play a show, it's like we're not playing with screamo bands. We're playing with like a doom band or mm-hmm. like. Uh, just like a pop punk band um that was the thing with Rayleigh when we played with Rayleigh it was like we played with a lot of like like I think our last show was a we opened for a pump a pop punk band's release show of their EP and it was it was like we were standing outside after the show and it was like this it if we're we done I think we're done but um <laughs> but, but that's that, that was that was kind of like if, if you want to play shows here you're playing with you know any band that can be categorized as punk on one sure. so i mean i think i think that was um in one way i i actually i enjoy that i love whenever like music that doesn't seem like it should marry well together gets thrown on a bill um and I think back whenever I first started going to shows, that was much more the case. Like the, the shows didn't seem, but then I, I want to say it was probably like 2003, maybe. It seemed like everything was like a package deal. So like when bands were touring, like, you know, like say like Converge, it would be Converge, Darkest Hour, you know. Uh, I think when I saw them at one point, it was Converge, Darkest Hour, uh, The Red Chord, and I forget there was somebody else on that that tour but it was like a tour that went on and they were all together the entire time and there was like you know which was cool because I like those bands but at the same time I wouldn't have had an issue with there being some variety I mean like I wouldn't have wanted to see like Converge be lower on the bill and like a Daft Punk cover band to you know headline the show (laughs) but at the same time I don't have issues I don't have issues with variety and maybe it's I don't know if it's like that in Syracuse but in Pittsburgh that was the case for a really long time. The, the shows had a lot of variety. Like I've mentioned before, I saw Hawthorne Heights play uh, a show where they opened for Scraps and Heart Attacks and Love is Red. So like it was a weird bill in and of itself, but Hawthorne Heights being the opening band and then less than like six months later being huge because they were on victory at that point. That's you wild. Know. Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, that was an interesting time um and i feel that absolutely like i remember like going to like metal shows in high school and like (laughs) i'm not gonna knock death metal too much but death metal live is kind of like you see one band you've seen a lot of death metal (laughs) bands live so going in and of course going back to like bands like that are too like playing too long like my favorite part about like you know hardcore shows or especially like 
um, like local screamo acts or smaller screamo acts is like 18 minutes and done. Like from the time the first note hits to the time they like, thank you, bye. It's like 18 minutes. It's perfect. Metal bands play for like 60 minutes and it's three bands of the same 60 minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair. The only band that I think should ever play beyond an hour is Guided by Voices. Other than that, I don't think any band should play that long. <laughs> And that's just because they're still fucking entertaining even now. But no, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's interesting though, whenever, you know, because you're saying, and I'm assuming maybe Edmonton, because I've never been, has a similar like scene to how Pittsburgh was like Pittsburgh for a really long time did not draw a lot of, a lot of bands in like a lot of people skipped Pittsburgh and went to Cleveland or, and I think some of it just had to do with the fact that there was not a lot of, I don't want to call it laziness, but there wasn't a lot of like kind of legwork. There weren't a lot of people out flyering for the shows. And if they were, it was from some, you know, production company locally that hired them to go out, you know, handbill people, tons of, tons of handbill stuff. But like, I never saw that with smaller shows very much. You know, you either had to know you didn't know that these places existed or you didn't know and you know i mean i don't know if basement shows are a thing there so much Ooh, but yeah like here at one point they were they weren't necessarily even basements like out here we had a place it was a three-car garage and it was called the planet of the apes and then there was a a, <laughs> a house with it was in the basement and it was called the house of hardcore uh there were a few other like off the beaten path type places and then there were like some smaller venues that booked shows of that size but they just didn't do a lot of legwork so to get like people to draw in oftentimes i feel like that's where the mixed bills came from here do you think that was something that you guys dealt with there it was just like the lack of like being able to bring one genre of people out and get more than 10 people like absolutely like the the thing about edmonton um is that because of where we're situated, it's like so far out of the way for like touring bands. The, like it's, it's you'll play, like a touring band will play like Portland, Seattle, then cross the border and play Vancouver. And then it's like, okay, I can either turn back around and go back to Seattle. Or if I want to play another show in Canada, it's I have to dr- drive 12 hours to Edmonton. And then after Edmonton, it's like, you can go the two hours down to Calgary and then it's kind of like, okay, now how do I get back into the States? Because I'm literally in the middle of nowhere, like hours and hours away from the border with like no real major cities. Um, and uh, like, if you're looking at like bands that need like, like you, you're getting your gas money from the show you played the night before. It's like, I absolutely makes sense why you don't get a lot of people to come out. But it's also like, because it's such a blue collar city, like a, if you're like playing a show here on a weekday, like lots of people are not going to come out. Lots of, there was a point where like all our venues were bars. And of course, bar shows on weekdays happen to start at like 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. And then everyone has to get up for work at like 6 a.m. So nobody wants to stay out. I, I, I mentioned this when I did the podcast with Hal, but I, I remember seeing Daughters in 2004 to like, 15 people in like a thousand person mm-hmm. venue on like a hmm. Wednesday night. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely like 
there there was a lot of times where we played with Rayleigh, um, where it'd be like, hey, this this band uh, this band is coming through. We should want to play a show on like a Wednesday night, um, and we were like, oh yeah, no sure. And then it was like, oh you you're putting us on the bill because we're the draw band, we're the local band, and I was like. We're not a drop in. Get like ten people to come to shows, <laughs> right? <laughs> Right, I mean that's that's the funny thing. I feel like that's that's commonplace. At least it, it like you know at one point. It's I think it's less so now because you know like it's also weird because the scene seems to go through phases where like there'll be a phase where there's like a lot of people who are going out all the time, and then of course they grow up and they grow out of it. They're not forty years old in the college kid's basement being the oldest person watching frail body play, but you know that is like the weird thing to me is like how many people drop out and then something new kind of arises around here and then it like but it like cycles back again at some point and it's so weird to me because it just doesn't seem consistent at all um but yeah the local band thing is a big deal here too where like they'll try to put somebody on if they don't think somebody's gonna draw hoping the local will be the draw i don't know if that works very often or not well well no we, we had that discussion a lot when uh before it was like like nobody's gonna come see us on like a wednesday night because they're gonna be like oh well i'll just wait till they they play a saturday or yeah. you know i've i've seen this band play a dozen times already like they play every local show why would i go see them again like i i know durell durell tells a story about how he was playing in his like his cursed-esque hardcore band and he ended up playing a show in Winnipeg and the draw band was actually one of the biggest hardcore bands in Western Canada at the time. And they came up to him and was like, Hey, um, so let's have to work in the morning. Do you mind uh, if we play first? And Darrell was like, Oh yeah, you know, sure. And he said, it was like, yeah, there was like 200 people there. They were moshing, they were crawling all over each other. Um, and then as soon as they finished playing, I walked outside to start loading in the gear and I watched everyone walk into that venue like a clown car and then just walk down the street and leave. And we yep. played to nobody. Been there. Like, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> no, you mentioned earlier about, you know, taking a friend to a punk show who wasn't really into punk. 
and uh i took my friend to his first punk and hardcore show and i mean this would have been my god it was only maybe like eight years ago and <laughs> he's into like the beatles and you know classic rock stuff um into indie rock which is totally fine i like some of that stuff as well but i took him to see jay green of orchids band called violent bullshit and you know it had a bunch of people from different different bands there were people from like black army jacket were in it um members of lace savvy fave so it should have been a show that would have drawn people out from the past bands you would have assumed but there was literally no legwork done on it and so when we got there we were literally the only two paying customers to come in to the venue and they played i mean consummate professionals played as if it was a packed fucking house the two people (laughs) and then a week later to show like the, the diversity of how this this works we had a show that was put on by a promoter who did legwork and Mets played at the upstairs loft of this bar in Pittsburgh that was an all ages venue and it was a 300 person capacity sold out show and he went to that as well. And he was shocked because both bands played with the same amount of intensity. But to him, it was weird that like one show had two people and one had like 300 people. Yeah, that's that's the thing here too is um, like, God, I can't remember the last time I saw somebody going uh, and doing flyering for a show. It's like we had a, I would argue our most popular venue um, was already kind of like bleeding money pre-pandemic, and I think I, I I haven't heard anything, but I'm sure they're done now after all this. But it was like they kind of like just didn't promote the shows ever. Like they would, it would be like this person invited you to this show, and you'd get the invite on Facebook and you'd like click yes, and then it was like radio silence to the point where it was like sometimes you'd be like the day of the show and it'd be like is this show still happening like and then that's just it like like promoting like makes or breaks shows and especially it's it's funny you say that about cycles because that's kind of where we're at um here in Edmonton now is like a lot of the people that like were in screamo bands and hardcore bands like 10 years ago when we had like a really thriving scene or now like they've dropped out of the scene and for whatever reasons they some got married and had kids some just didn't like the music anymore it's whatever but it's like now we don't really have that like that younger generation to kind of fill that gap anymore and it's like like they don't know about these shows happening if you don't tell them that like doing facebook invites only goes so far when you know like if the people don't know the venue exists, then you're not inviting them via Facebook. So you have to go out there and like, you need that engagement. Like I remember I I haven't thrown it, like I haven't promoted a show in years now, but the the big thing for me was like, I'd go and poster like high schools. Like I'd I'd go like all over the high schools on like a weekday or a weekend. Cause you know, you don't want to be the, the, the older guy said it was at the school I don't know posters to like teenagers <laughs> good way for the cops to show up but like on weekends I'd go and I'd like 
you know, flyer all the light posts by schools and stuff. And, you know, you'd, you'd see like new kids out at shows. They'd be like, oh yeah, I just saw this poster when I was walking home from school. I'm like, oh, cool. But it's also yeah. like, not only do you need that like engagement there, you need to be like friendly and engaging as a promoter. I, I know yeah. it's like, there, there definitely is like some, some people are kind of like almost too cool for school and oh when yeah like, mm-hmm. when when you show up it's like oh it's i only talk to the bands because you know it's it's all i really care about being here but i'm like no you gotta like oh this person has ever been to a show before or i've never seen them at a show before like hey what's 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 up like thanks for coming out like really yeah. like engage and like make that friendly community and atmosphere and that's and that's just it like more so than a lot of other punk sh- or a lot of other punk genres a lot of other genres of music like punk itself really thrives on community right so you really need to build that i know i totally agree i mean i think you know pittsburgh's a, a college city i mean like there's colleges everywhere like you have the university of pittsburgh right in the middle of everything basically there's carlo there's you know carnegie mellon there's all these colleges and what always amazed me was they have boards that you can go post shit on. And I would go to shows and I would be like, this is insane to me that I didn't see one flyer, nothing for this show. But there were, you know, 1500 flyers posted about if you wanted to donate bar- bone marrow for like, you know, money. <laughs> like, it was so strange to me that there wasn't like more people taking advantage of the fact that you have all these students who, let's be perfectly honest, on a Wednesday night are probably bored as fuck in their dorm room and can mm. ride public transportation for free and get to the place that the venue is at and, and draw more people in. But it just never seemed like that was done unless the person who was putting on the show was not the promoter. Like if it wasn't the person who generally promoted at the place, it seemed like a lot of times those people put more effort into it because it wasn't like, I don't know, maybe they, they just weren't, used to the idea of of putting on shows so they were like man i want this to be a success yeah whereas a promoter's just like well whatever i took a loss on this one i'll make it up on you know fucking arcade fires coming in two weeks you know so i'll make it up on arcade fire like i I don't i just don't get that 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 mentality well yeah Um, that that was always me when i i threw shows it was always like i i never carried like a float or anything and i never took any money from the shows it was like hey any money that comes at the door goes to the bands right so i was always i was always under the like hey like if a band's like doing the trouble to like come to edmonton to play i'm gonna make sure they have money like they get paid for the show like and especially like i on a more like selfish note it kind of like reflects on you yeah you don't want to be known as the guy that like Oh yeah, we played this show in Edmonton to like three people, and the promoter gave us a twenty and was like, "Oh, have fun." Yeah, <laughs> I agree, but for some reason that doesn't register with certain people. I guess I don't know. It's it's just so strange to me how like how that happens though, where you can have like, uh, and and what I was getting out with this Mets thing was that Mets mentioned on stage that they had played at the same venue for the same promoter two months prior to no one, literally no one came. And literally two months later, they're playing to a 300-person packed venue. 
And like how that goes through in that short of an amount of time, it's not like those guys blew up in that amount of time. They were already on sub pop when they had come through that first time. So it's not like it was something like that where like people were like, oh, miraculously, they, they knew who they are. It was that the venue did no promotion and literally not a single person came to that show, which is, I mean, that's awful to me. I just, I, I get bothered by that so much. So like when I hear about like a place where you, you know, you kind of have a similar vibe, I'm always interested to see if it's like people just aren't doing the work that's necessary to bring people out to shows. Yeah, it's it's like, like it, it sucks because it's like, I don't want to throw like the promoter of this, like our like most popular venue that seems to have just yeah, died. Certainly like, don't I mean, have to do that at all. Yeah, like yeah, I don't want to throw them under the bus, but it's like they got, they got really involved with like other other stuff outside of promoting. And that just drained like so much of their time and energy that it was just like, they, they just didn't, they didn't have time to like do that and like promote. And I'm like, well, why don't you like kind of hand that venue off or the promoting duties of that venue off to like somebody else who maybe is, again, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say it as a negative, but like more like stoked and more positive about like throwing shows and more happy to do that kind of work. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. And as that's taken us way off of the course of the album. At least we're still in DIY at times, right? It's fair. It's fair. Going back um, to majority rule. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, can, I can get us back there. So actually in Syracuse, lot, lots of different promoters find their... Uh, I guess niche or whatever. So this promoter kind of only books these kinds of bands. This promoter only books these kinds of bands. And I can definitely sort of understand what Corey's talking about, what's happening where he is, because one one of our bigger promote, well, I don't want to say bigger, but a guy who had been doing it for a long time was Ryan Hex, who runs Hex Records. And if you aren't familiar with Hex Records, check it out. Put, puts out a lot of great music. Um, but he was always one to book all sorts of stuff. And usually the stuff that was maybe more interesting, you know, coming out of Syracuse was maybe less just like breakdowny, you know, fast Corey kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, and I think he probably booked Majority Rule like every time. <laughs> they played Syracuse I mean I could be wrong but I think he was always the one to book them um and I know I mentioned he was the one Sinaloa he booked them you know he he was always booking different kinds of bands and he uh within the last few years moved away and now he's on the west coast and I feel like they're I'm glad that I went to shows when I did because I don't feel like there is a promoter now that is like picking that up. You know what I mean? And I don't want to say picking up where he left off, but maybe kind of, I mean, I, I think there's people who probably not right now. I think people are just now getting back into feeling comfortable putting on anything, but he left pre the pandemic <laughs> and I definitely really didn't see like a, a takeover from anyone who was booking these kind of like more interesting styled bands 
And I, I think that is something you need to like keep your scene going. You need the next sort of uh, group to come up and sort of take ownership. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I, I saw that exact same thing happen with um, uh, Vanessa, who's like one of the heads at New Friends and puts on New Friends Fest. She used to live in Calgary and we used to always play shows and she used to always like, she was part of this big festival that happens there every year called Sled Island. And she always helped get like screamo bands on that festival because she would help like choose the bands and she'd always get like Edmonton screamo bands and stuff on there and stuff. But she moved to Toronto and started up New Friends and everything and New Friends is doing great out there and everything. But it's like, yeah, like nobody stepped up to like kind of fill that void in Calgary. So it's, the exact same sort of thing it's unfortunate but you know what can you do there's been a you know one one thing i've always tried not to do is speak badly about my scene but i have noticed within the past you know five maybe more years like the bands coming out that we're doing like interesting or like different stuff it's like well these are the same people though (laughs) you know what i mean like these are not youths. These aren't the youths. These are like the guys I've known for like fucking 15 years, just in a different formation of people. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't know. I it, I guess it's a lot of pressure to put on youths. Yeah, like I I it's yeah, it sucks because it's like it's definitely like you'll go to a show and you'll see a new band, it'll be a new build his new band, but it's like the same old graybeards you you've seen in a dozen other bands yeah and you're like of course their band's awesome their past all bands are awesome but i just i want to see i want to see the youths like kind of join in but hey you know maybe maybe it'll take some time who knows especially with uh with the with the covid kind of chill pill of a year on shows you know who knows maybe we'll be in uh some kind of show renaissance once stuff starts picking up i mean i'll say this going to my first one last night and it, it, I, I mean it was good and it was enjoyable and all the bands were good but i i will say i did say to my friend i haven't seen live music since 2019 i i have to think genre aside just if i was at the show i mean i don't know if, if you know that what you were talking about that coastal folk i don't know if that was happening if i would have been pumped up but just seeing bands play i was just so pumped to be there experiencing it and i'm hoping and i have a feeling a lot of people are going to be like that as things start kind of opening back up oh absolutely i mean the last band i saw like a week before the lockdown was a slipknot cover band so i'm like this could could not be the last band i see it was it was great it was awesome you know what hang it up retire now because that is the best story you'll ever be able to tell right before the pandemic i saw a slipknot cover band is the greatest story ever man it, it was fantastic they had nine members they they had That's the fucking trash can drummers oh, they were all dressed up. it was perfect <laughs> that's hilarious the last show i saw before the pandemic was literally three days before they shut everything down it was a uh, sect and um i got to hang out with chris colahan and chat with him for quite a while and you know it was great to be able to do that but at the same time i didn't expect that i wouldn't be seeing another show for for you know like basically you know a year and a half possibly two years before i go to anything 
nothing recently has come up that I'm, you know, rushing to get to. So well, we'll see. Yeah, well, bring it, bring it right back. It was like one of the things that I was really excited about is that we were going to play New Friends Fest again, and we were going to play it with No Man. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this time I'm going to go talk to like the guys from Majority Role <laughs> and be like, hey. We played with you last year. It was awesome. You guys are sick. I'm much more like Matt's friend. I just don't give a shit. I go over and talk to all of them. You go slap I'm the bass. Like, <laughs> I go, yeah. I can't slap play the bass. bass. I'm like, let me check out the bass. I don't play at all, but let me check that out. Got on your no, 50s or... Uh... This is I always really find funny. it funny. Oh, go ahead. No, please. Uh, I was just like, this is going to be really funny because I'm going to be like talking about this album, but I'm sure they're like they know those people because they're from the east coast and everything and i was like you mentioned matt that it was like oh you like my favorite band you were like gushing about them too and i was like oh okay yeah no we can gush about them together and then yeah ron just jumps in like oh yeah no i'm like i just hang out with matt on the regular and just go hang out at his house <laughs> <laughs> no i i just uh i just have a thing where i just don't care like i don't have that filter where i'm like <laughs> i mean i never have I remember going to this this festival in Cleveland called Stress Fest back in like 2002 or 2003 and like Converge headlined one stage and Thursday headlined the other and I met both Jacob Bannon and Jeff Rickley that day and made what is now my wife that was at the time my girlfriend. <laughs> I made her take photos of me with them so there are pictures somewhere in this house of me talking to them and them being like why does this person even come over and speak to me? But to be fair, they were both nice. They were both incredibly cool. So, um, and I've never had too many bad experiences. Very rarely have I had anybody where I was like, yeah, this guy's kind of a dick. Most of the time it's been pretty, it's been pretty easy there. Most people are interested to chat about their music whenever you tell them how much you enjoy it. Yeah, I, I definitely, um, I got that when I got a chance to hang out with uh, Sean Leary from Loma and chat with him for a while and we ended up like we had played zbr fest with l and us and l had ended up staying at the the same house so we just like stayed up um till like three in the morning just like talking and shooting the shit and there there was at one point where i had helped another member of l kind of like make fun of sean leary and it was (laughs) it was it was it was kind of in that moment where i was kind of like oh these are just people like they're just like pals. right like there's yeah. there is no celebrity anymore yeah i think that's i think that's the thing i think that that especially i i i mean obviously there's people who consider themselves celebrity in anything but i think when it comes to to like the punk community i, I think it's a little less i think there's a little less ego uh at least in my experience there's a little less ego with most of the most of the people i've interacted with so you know most of my experiences have been incredibly pleasant and uh, we were just talking in the last episode with Brad Wallace, who was in Orchid and Wolves and Transistor, Transistor and Bucketful of Teeth, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but when Transistor, Transistor was touring, they lost their merch guy. And there was a point where I was talking to him and I mentioned that I'd went with my friend's band for like a week and sold T-shirts for them. And he was like, oh, we need a merch guy. And I was like, well, I, I mean, I can't like I just bought a house. <laughs> and he was like, well, OK. 
And then Nat came over and they were trying to convince me to quit my job to be the merch guy for Transistor Transistor. <laughs> and like that conversation doesn't happen if I just go over and buy a record and walk away. It was because I engaged. And yeah, so like exactly. those memories are always, you know, but they could have been total assholes about, you know, me bothering them too, but they weren't, they were incredible. And like I said, I would say probably 98% of the people that I've, that I've irritated over the years <laughs> by going and speaking to them have been really kind. That's, that's funny because um, I, I misspoke a little bit when I, when I said that I like 2019 was the first time I'd seen like a screamo band. It was like the first time I saw one of the like, I, I again, I, I talking like regular people and not celebrities. One of the big screamo bands, yeah, um, legendary, of course. Yeah, like a screamo band that's like they've released seminal albums and like crossed the crossed the ocean and played shows and like a band that isn't like a local band. And I'm not trying to like knock those local bands, but like no, no, right? Yeah. So it was it was funny because I'd actually gone on tour with Maria as their merch guy to the California tour and we drove down and they ended up playing a bunch of shows with 10,000 leagues and we hung out with all those 10,000 leagues guys for a couple of days and everything. It was cool. And then I think it was two or three years later, um, me and Amy were like just driving down on a road trip and we ended up like, like coming across a 10,000 league show in Santa Cruz. And it was like, Oh sweet. And we just like popped in and like sat down and I was like, oh, I see the 10,000 Leagues guys. And Amy was like, oh, why don't you go like chat with them? And I'm like, ah, they probably don't remember me. I was just like the merch guy for a touring band that came through like two years ago. And then a couple of them like came over and was like, hey, are you Corey who was here with Maria like a couple of years ago? And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. It was like, oh, sweet. Like, how you been doing? And just like sat down. And it was like, it's friendly. It's community, right? Like, it's just, it's really yeah. nice to like have that kind of like, camaraderie and just like friendship that like just kind of like spans countries and time yeah I mean 100% I think I think I find it more I mean because I mean I'm a big indie rock nerd too and I've been to a ton of like indie rock shit but I the, the vibe is totally different you know it's a completely different vibe and it's one of the things that always kept me you know interested and into you know the hardcore scene and the punk scene was the fact that uh I feel like there's a community here. I feel much more connected to this on a personal level and on a friendship level with people than I ever did, you know, going out to an indie show, you know, and I mean, I go to a lot of shows by myself. I'm 40. I'm married. I have a kid, you know, like it's, it's weird to be the person who's the oldest at the show now, but I remember going to shows years ago and saying to my one friend, Justin, dude, that is going to be me. I'm going to be that old guy standing here. You know, I know I'm not going Absolutely. anywhere and it's so strange to now be in that place <laughs> and to look at everybody being like, you know, 15, 20 years younger than you and just kind of like accepting that this is, this is something that you're so interested in that it doesn't matter. Like you just don't, I just don't care about it. It's so weird to like, you know, I think when I was younger, I was probably hung up on the idea of like being singled out as the old guy at the show. And I always went to shows when I was, you know, younger with, one one or two or three of my friends until I probably hit like 25 and then I was like no I just want to go to shows I don't fucking care who's going and then it was I, after that I became so like used to being by myself at shows that I just became accustomed to not wanting to entertain anybody and just be there for the music 
Yeah, I, like absolutely. Like, like that was the same. Like when I hit like thirty, it was kind of like, like I don't care. I'm just here to hang out and enjoy the music. I'll, I'll go and hang out in the back and just watch the bands and be like, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, one hundred percent. So Matt, back to majority rule. Mm. <laughs> yes. Sure, try and get us back on track here, Matt. <laughs> what? I was enjoying the conversation. <laughs> so I know you said, Corey, progress of elimination, fave song. If you were trying to get someone into majority rule, though, what would be the song you would show them? Would it be that song? Would it be another song off this album? I mean that's that's a hard one because I'm I know I I am always the the person that um, especially in like punk there there is no like one song it's like you listen to albums like yeah that's how we um, tend to be too yeah, yeah. God I, I would say probably more closer to like maybe burial suit would be more like a kind of like representation of that band as a whole. I can see that. No, that that would have been the one that I picked. I starred that one on my list of of songs that if I was going to pick one, that like if you had to show somebody who knows nothing about the band that may be interested in that style of music, that would be the song I would probably present them. I always showed at 3 a.m. And the reasoning was... That's my favorite track. It's... It... I, but see, I wasn't approaching it from the standpoint of this person knows this style of music or even like hardcore, really. Just because it has like that really long sort of intro and build, there's like sort of spacier elements to it. I just know in my life, that's been the song that someone's like, oh, you, who's that on your shirt there? Oh, Majority Rule, one of my favorite. What do they sound like? Here, I'll show you. And most, most people are like, but see, I think probably what you guys are saying is smarter because <laughs> it isn't, not that at, at 3 a.m. is like covering up anything, but it takes a while to get to the, <laughs> the majority ruleness of it. Whereas <laughs> Very Old Sweet is like right immediate uh, where I've shown that song to people where they've been like grooving to it and then Dun, 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 and they're like oh shit what is happening to this song <laughs> um, so basically it's almost like you're pranking them Matt you know I'm a prankster what can I say <laughs> well it, it, it's funny because that that's how at 3am is, is it has that like slow little intro and then it's not like there's like kind of like a feedback swell or a, like a ramp up it's just like instantly like into the song yeah <laughs> It's like, oh, 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 okay. So yeah, you, you you like suck them in with the this nice pretty intro, and then it's like, bam, gotcha. <laughs> I will throw this out there because I don't know when I'm actually going to be able to talk about this album again with other people that like this album. But can we all admit that the fucking baseline at the end of "Kill the Cheat" is the fucking shit? What it is, is the up? Absolute best. Yeah. It's so good. Like, listen, I listen to a lot of music. <laughs> I listen to like virtuoso type jazz players and stuff, but still, like, in my top bass lines of all time, that is fucking there.
I, I always loved that too. I, I feel like they were one of the first bands I saw live, like going to shows where it's like, oh, his, his bass, it sounds distorted. Because, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, people aren't doing that in sort of cookie cutter, hardcore type stuff normally, you know? And especially like he's playing with his fingers too. Like he's not playing with a pick, which mm-hmm. is like what gives you a lot of that like sharpness. It's, he is like playing that distorted oh just grimy bass with his fingers and it sounds so good um no i i love that bass line i i i had a i had a moment of like his progress like progress from elimination was my favorite song when i like first listened to this album like years ago but i'm like now i'm like oh it's kill the cheat my favorite song i i did go like absolutely ballistic when i saw them play it, it like, <laughs> so good yeah progress is my fave that and at 3 a.m i just remember the first time i saw them play because you know earlier when i saw them probably the first time they weren't playing like everything off interviews so you know they were like i said they were the second band on what maybe like a five or six bill set you know those those mixed bill sets used to be longer you know so they didn't have like (laughs) the longest set to play so i feel like they i feel like they may have played like the first four songs maybe off off interviews so i remember when they came later and play and i saw them play that for the first time and i was just like holy shit because that part is so fucking they're just they're a loud and heavy band to this day i mean granted it was a little bit later but i i still tell people majority rules the loudest three-piece band i've ever seen live um it was during emergency numbers which is sort of like unfair but it's you know because they had extra amplification and stuff but still i i stand by it i will say like i i i have to make an admission here is that i loved interviews growing up i did not love emergency numbers it it took me like it was like it was good but it wasn't like it didn't have the same like didn't hit you it exactly it didn't hit me like interviews did until i saw them live and i saw them play some of those songs live and it was kind of like it clicked for me then i was like i get it now and now i like some of those songs are just so good and like, I love those songs now. Yeah, that was me with the page 99 split. Because, like, I still, to this day, oh, boy, I'm going to get shit. I don't care. Whatever. It's my opinion. I don't like the production on that split. I, I like those songs, though. And I I always am like, man, I, I know it'll never happen. But I always hope, like, there would be some majority rule compilation release where it would have the split songs you know, the seven inch stuff, second chair bar- baritone, you know, a lot of those things and just, you know, remaster it. But I, you know, they're not that type of band, but um, it was similar where seeing, I had to see them play those songs live to be like, like I, I like these songs. Yeah. Like packaged poison. It's so close to being my favorite majority rule song, but it, it, it is, it's just the production on that on that album just it doesn't it doesn't get me like it doesn't suck me in the same way um it, like it, it it honestly it, it almost irks me that the uh, like not in my name um has like an, a minute and a half of just like nothing before the song actually kicks in yeah like hissing 
Like I'm sure it's there for a reason, but yeah. it's just like, oh, just come on, get to it. Already. When you when you're seeing them live and they're gonna open with that track, and you know they got their uh, their looper going and they're doing it. Yeah, they're doing stuff though. They're setting up the floor, Tom. You know, they're making sure everything. Okay, yep, my delay pedals set on time. <laughs> when you listen to it, you're like, come on, let's get to it. Oh, and and that's just it. Like, like again, I play in a, a band that like merges like noise music and hardcore um to the best of our abilities anyway um so like i'm i'm all for like atmosphere and that but it's like i just it does not work for me there <laughs> and and honestly like the the other two songs um besides not in my name and packaged poison i i don't think hit the same way as those two which i mean I, makes sense like i think not in my name and package poisons are like the only ones they actually play live anymore but it's just like uh i know I'm, it's the same thing I'm, I'm gonna get absolutely shit on for that but like great songs exactly not great recordings exactly no no hate to them they they wrote some great material no and i i think that's that's part of like like you kind of have to like admit that about like every like there's no such thing as a perfect band right like there's there's gonna yeah. be things you don't like about everything very true live though live though that is a perfect band oh yeah oh yeah did they play when you when you saw them did they play now breathe because i don't think i've ever seen them play that and it's like one of my faves it's off that uh when they reunited they put out those like 10 inches that were like um i don't know if it was like a remastered demo that they had done but it had like it had some of the songs from interviews and then it had like now breathe which i remember getting off like fucking napster or some bullshit back in the day i'm just wondering if they played it when you saw no they didn't um when i saw them they played the first three songs of interviews and kill the cheat uh three of the songs off emergency numbers and the two songs off the page 99 split like um not in my name text poison pretty fucking good set i can't argue that they they still got it and they could i you know like you said it's good that they're at least all friends and playing together in no man and i like no man but musically very different band and uh i know this album and them will always uh hold a special place in my heart no and then that's that's the thing like same thing like i i love no man because it hits that like very like driving hardcore that i really like um but it's it is a very different band the majority role so it's like like i said i'm to me it's i i have a lot of i have a lot of feelings about like bands like getting back together and recording another album like Mm -hmm. 20 years later because i like you're not the same people you're not the same like you probably don't have the same like feelings and emotions you did back then. So t- to me, like, like getting back together and playing songs that you had written 20 years ago and, and those songs themselves might still hit you those same ways and everything. Like, absolutely. I'm here for it. But like when bands just try and like write albums, like how, how do I frame this? How do I say this? I shouldn't say I understand what you mean. Yeah. Though. Yeah. That's, there's, that's why there's been some okay. notable ones. You know, I mean, maybe not in this genre of music, but in my head, I think about like American football and then I think about Hum. And uh, I, I don't know. I thought the Hum album that came out last year was good, but definitely like 
old man hum, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because actually Ameri- American football was the exact band I was thinking of. Because their, their drummer quit the other week, and I was just like, well, <laughs> there goes there goes that. <laughs> like, like, I like American football, but the new American football album was just a known album to me. Like. <laughs> Honestly, man, <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to another level with that and say the newest one was basically a birthmark album, if you're familiar with birthmark, which is I'm actually not. <laughs> so that's Nate Kinsella who joined as the bass player. That's his project. And his project has all these fucking glockenspiels and all this kind of shit. But you know what doesn't? Hey, American football fucking doesn't have that stuff. So I, I don't know fine album to listen to but i don't know when you start bringing in new people and like you were saying you're older you're a different person you're you're definitely going to churn out something that i don't know you didn't like friggin' 20 years ago yeah that's kind of how i feel like if you're not if you're not the same band whether that is personality wise or individual wise like, why not just start a new band? Like, that's yeah. kind of how I feel about it. I feel that. Well, Corey, man, thank you so much for just gabbing with us. I know you had heard previous to being on how we kind of run it here <laughs> or don't run it here. But I think we're both like super appreciative to have you on. To sort of close it out, we always like to ask the guests. Someone's never heard this album that you brought to the table. Someone's never heard interviews why do you think they should check it out? I think it's the perfect angry political album of the early 2000s. Like if you think of like that early 2000s political hardcore and what the state of politics really that emotion portrayed back then, I think this is the perfect album that really gets that feeling across. Yeah. I, I fully that, agree that may actually be the best answer we've ever been given to yeah. be honest that was like a really concise and kind of right on the head answer yeah that, that was it hits sincerely sincerely that i mean a lot of times that's a struggle to answer because it's such a, like a personal thing but that was an amazing answer man thank you thank you it's like you know how american idiot just has that political <laughs> vibe of the early 2000s imagine that but just pissed <laughs> Uh, I, ha- I had to take great. it like after you said that i had to make this the absolute <laughs> worst answer so by the well, way on that still amazing, probably but... isn't the worst yeah that's true well cory man thanks again for coming on with us it's been our pleasure thanks for having me it's, it's been a pleasure to be here ron you got anything you want to close out with my man uh no just want to say thanks to Corey for taking time out of his day chatting with us Thanks to everybody who listens to us ramble on about bullshit every week. And uh, yeah, Matt, thanks for being here as always, buddy. Thank you, dude.